Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with us to Isaiah chapter 2. Isaiah chapter 2. And uh, let's, let's pray together. Just get right in here this morning. Father, we thank you for who you are. Lord, we take a moment. We press pause in all the busyness of life. We've felt your spirit here all day today. And God, we know that you're working in the hearts of lives these last days. And Father, we want to make sure we're on your side. Our hearts are in the right place. So Lord, check our status, check our citizenship. We're going to examine ourselves today according to your word. We're going to see, Lord, what you're doing in the world all around us, that you have a plan in place, that you're enacting it to draw men and women to you. And God, help us, O Lord, in these last days to see you exalted, high and lifted up, and let us run into you with all of our hearts in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. We're in the study of Isaiah and the promises of God in Isaiah, and we're calling it Jesus Saves because that's really what Isaiah's name means, the Lord saves or Yahweh saves. And I want to talk to you about the glory of two cities, the glory of two cities. Uh, It was the best of times, and it was the worst of times. Uh, Anybody heard that before, right? That's from uh, one of the best-selling novels of all time. That's Charles Dickens' A Tale of Two Cities from 1859. And it tells the story of this French doctor who is wrongfully imprisoned uh, for 18 years, and he's trying to get back to his daughter, whom he's never met, uh, from Paris into London. He's trying to get to London uh, during the French Revolution. And in this uh, novel, you can watch it on Amazon Prime, I think, uh, it's really contrasting. It talks about light versus dark and rich versus poor. And it talks about life versus death or resurrection versus death. And the reason Charles Dickens wrote this novel really was because he saw two cities. He saw Paris years before who had been destroyed by their own revolution and because of the corruption there. But now he looked at his day and he saw that it was about to happen to London where he was from. And so he was trying to tell his own people through this novel, guys, our city is going to crumble. And there was a guy in the Bible kind of did the same thing. His name's Isaiah. And Isaiah saw in his life two cities. He said one city is the city built on the love of man and the love of self. And he said the other city is built upon the love of God. We're going to talk to you today about which city you're in. Where's your heart in? Isaiah, let's give you the background of Isaiah chapter 2, verse 2. If you're there, somebody say amen. Amen. Isaiah sees two cities. He says their pillars of one city is crumbling. And as one is collapsing, he sees one is coming. As one is falling, one is rising. And he says uh, our hearts are torn between these two cities. One is built on wealth and power and status and image and identity, and the other is built on the supreme glory of God. I think about uh, New Orleans, you know, a city that ultimately is known for its own revelry, its own idolatry, its own sin. And then we know from Louisiana, we're, you guys were here, the Katrina comes, wipes it off, but then what does man do? We rebuild it. Oftentimes, it becomes worse than it was before. And I think, as we're looking today to get into this, what I'm asking you to do with me is examine your heart. 
to say maybe there's things that God has purposefully torn down that we often build back up. Maybe perhaps there's things that we've built our foundation of our heart, our emotion, the things that we've trusted in, the way we've learned to think growing up, the way we feel about certain things, some things that we maybe believe. There are some things I think in these last days God wants to crumble in our own makeup and the way we've founded our life. But yet there are some things God wants to build up. One kingdom is falling, but another kingdom is rising. Amen? All right, so what things in your heart do you need him to crumble? And what things do you need to let fall? The city of God. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 2. Standing in the present, Isaiah sees two cities, and he looks into the future. He says, I saw the city of God. Let's read together. Now it will come about in the last days, Isaiah says, the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of mountains. It'll be raised above the hills and all the nations will stream to it. And many peoples will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us concerning his ways, that we may walk in his paths. For the law will go forth from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He'll judge between the nations and they'll render decisions for many people and they'll hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. He's basically saying that soldiers will become farmers and nation will not lift up sword against nation and never again will they learn war. Somebody say amen. Okay, so here's what happens. Isaiah in his day, he says, I I know there are two cities And there are two physical cities that he's looking at, but he also sees it in the hearts of the people. There's an allegiance, and he's talking to the people of God. Isaiah's prophesying in a day of the divided kingdom of Israel. There's the ten northern tribes, and there's the two southern tribes. Israel in the north, Judah in the south. And he sees the hypocrisy, the religiousness, the idolatry in the people of God. And he says, God is coming to bring judgment on us. For what we have done to his house, to his identity, to his name. He says that there will be a northern kingdom will get taken away by this great empire called Assyria. And the southern kingdom later will get taken away by this great empire called Babylon. But as Isaiah looks at the day he's in, he looks ahead. God gives him a vision of the future. And he says, but I see this mountain of God rising. Now, if you go to Israel today, where the temple is set is kind of a bowl. It's on a hill. It's called Mount Moriah. That's where the Dome of the Rock thing is now. But there used to be the temple. And all the other mountains are kind of higher than it. But he says there's coming a day when that mountain will be exalted above all other mountains. It'll be the city of God set up on a hill like a shining light. And he says, when I looked ahead, I saw that all the nations, every tribe and tongue were running uphill like a river running uphill into the city of God. Every nation, every tribe and tongue, because they were so attracted to the glory of God. How many people are attracted to the glory of God? So they were so attracted to him. He was so exalted. He was so high and lifted up. They were running and streaming into him like a flood, like a flood. And they were so uh, in awe of him. They said, hey, you come with me. Come with me. Let's go up and meet this guy. Let's go up into the house. Oh, let's worship him. So what is that? Jesus said when he left, he said, guys, I go up to the Father, but I'm going to send the comforter, the Holy Spirit. He's going to give you power so that you can preach the gospel, be my witnesses. He says, you're going to start how? He says, you're going to start in Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, which is the next 
stayed over, and then to all the earths. And since that day, Isaiah's prophecy is being fulfilled. This little bitty tiny thing called the church, this little nation, this little city that nobody thinks much of. For, think about it. For the last 2,000 years, what's been happening? People from every tribe and every tongue have been running into Jesus. How many people are one of those people? Been running into Jesus, so captivated by him. And along the way, people are saying, hey, come with us. Let's meet this guy. And what happens? It says that when they got there, they get to that place where he is. It says his very word proceeded forth from this place, touching the whole world. And it began to change the way people thought. It changed their attitude, that violence, that hatred, that division they once had in their heart. It says it melts all that away. It brings unity in the people of God. Division and walls, all this stuff is broken down. And he says, they streamed in. And Isaiah looks ahead and he says, I see the church. How many people are part of the church? He saw the church. But there's this theology, it's called the not, it's the now, but the not yet. It means that Isaiah saw something in twofold. He says, I see something that's going to happen. It would be in spiritual ways that God would lift up his church in the world as the greatest nation on earth. It's not America, by the way. It's the church. The greatest nation on the face of the earth today is the church. It's a global movement of people who are streaming into Jesus, who when they meet him, their hearts are changed, that there's peace, that the enemy uh, had meant for division, all these walls that we had before. That Think about it. Heaven is going to be the most diverse place. You know that? Every color, every tribe, every nation are coming in to be one with God. That happened on Acts, the day of Acts, and it's going to happen one day when Jesus parts that eastern sky and he steps on that Mount of Olives and he makes things new. His physical kingdom is going to become a literal reality. But here's the question for you. What I get out of that spot is really this. How attractive is Jesus to you? Because what I see when he says, when I see the church of the future, the church of the last days, I see a bunch of people who are running uphill. Like, can you imagine water going uphill? He says, I see a stream going uphill to this mountain. It's like as if people are running and flowing into him. And they're so in awe of his glory and his majesty. And when they touch him, when he touches them and he goes inside of them, it's like they are changed. They're a new person. It's not this religious thing about just going to church. It's not just something that we decide to be nicer or be more moral or make a good doctrine or just start giving to charity. He says, no, when I see this global movement, it's a people who have been radically changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, that was weak. Amen. Come on now. I mean, is that where you are? Let me just be honest today. I don't see much excitement in the house of the Lord anymore. I don't see much enthusiasm for being who he's called us to be. I don't see people streaming and saying, you know, like when I was younger, it was like work to tell people about Jesus. Somebody like Pastor Christian just told us, hey, about evangelizing your friends. And we're giving you these great tools to go give them to your coworkers and friends. And for some of us, it seems like work. Ooh, I don't know if I want to do that. I might offend somebody. Oh, I got to go go to the neighbor. I have to talk to somebody or, or what are they going to say? I don't know what the words to say. But when he saw the church, he says, I saw people just so excited 
that there's the king of the world. Let's run to him. Hey, come with me. Come with me. Come with me. Just like you saw in the disciples. Hey, come. You got to see this one who everything has been foretold about. The prophets have told us we found him. The first disciple said, come and see. Are we so captivated by this Jesus that we can't help but tell somebody about him? Is the good news become old news? Because when Isaiah looked ahead, he saw, he says, they were streaming in and saying, come, let us go. And when they got there, it wasn't a moralistic, political choice. It wasn't effort based on good works. It was that God had radically transformed them from the inside out. I want to be a part of that movement. I want to be a part of that church. The city of God. Then he looked again. He said, I saw the city of man. Look in Isaiah chapter 2, verse 7. Isaiah looked around him and he saw the city of man. He says, their land has also been filled with silver and gold and there's no end to their treasures. Their land has been filled with horses and there's no end to their chariots. Their land has been filled with idols. They worship the work of their hands, that which their fingers have made. So he looks in the future. He says, I see this movement, this new day where God's spiritual kingdom is coming to the earth and nations are streaming in. But then I look back to my day. He says, man, I see... Only I see that the people of God have traded their identity to build themselves upon man's kingdom. He says, I see that their kingdom is built on certain pillars, right? Certain columns. Those of you guys have uh, uh, crawl spaces. You know, you've got cinder blocks, some of you under your houses. He says, I see all these blocks that they've built their lives upon, but I see them crumbling like a teeter-totter or a seesaw. As one goes down, one is coming up. And he says, I see man's kingdom fall. In chapter 3, verse 9, he says, it's like Sodom and Gomorrah. The day that he looks at, he says, man, I see a day that is today in Isaiah's day, but he sees it also for the future. He says, it's like Sodom and Gomorrah. They don't even care. They're not even ashamed of mocking God. They're not, you've seen this lately in the news in the last 10, 15 years, not even ashamed of denying him, not, in a, not even ashamed of redefining his word, not even ashamed of what they're doing in the streets. He says, that's what I see. He says, like the Tower of Babylon, they've exalted themselves above God's mountain, but they're crumbling. Let me give you three pillars from Isaiah chapter 2, 3, and 4. He says that he sees crumbling. Let me see if you think this is happening in our nation today, all right? Number one, he says, I see that man had built their kingdom on wealth, that man had built his own kingdom on his own economy. For instance, like this, he says, man has prided himself in his silver and his gold. He looks at a day, he sees they are buying and they're selling and they're building house to house to house, all the while many people in the world have no houses. Some of these people have two or three houses, while some people have no house. He goes on and he begins to say about all their investing and saving and they want more money and more money. Don't you see that in the, the markets today? We are so up to the, what's the Dow doing? What's the NASDAQ doing? Here's the line. What's going on? And, and people are committing suicide because of this line on a graph, because of this made-up thing called the dollar, which really has no value in itself. It's a piece of paper. And the people have based their livelihoods upon this one thing. And their whole identity is in how much money they have in the bank and how much I can work and save. And we think we're going to provide our family a future. And it could all get washed away. We know this. Look at the last 10, 20 years in our economy. You know that in one day it can be gone. 
And yet we continue to rebuild it. And re- as God crashes it down to bring people to himself, he, they just keep rebuilding it. No, no, we've got to build it up on money. We've got to build it up on our wealth. We've got to build it on our stocks and our 401ks. And retirement planning is not bad. That's not what I'm saying. But if your identity and the foundation and the trust of your life is built on money, he says, I see it crumbling. Man gambles to the God of luck. He sees that man has done this and invested and bought and sold and buy and flip and sell. He says, and then I see man's wife. He says, I see her, that she's built her whole life on her own image, on her own beauty. He looks in that day, in the day of Israel, women would put tassels on their little bells on the bottom of their uh, it was kind of a stylish thing there, bells in the bottom of their dresses or their, their robes, just so that men, as they walked down the street, men would see what's jingling. See, you know what I'm saying? Turn, see how many heads would turn. And he says, I see them buying and selling and wrapping in the finest linen and the nicest oils and all these things. And then you can look at today, come on now, look at social media today. It is all about self-image. Look at our diet plans and our workout plans and who looks this and we've got things hot or not. And we've got who's on this magazine cover and who's on this, who's the top 100 most beautiful women in the world and how the, who's the top 10 men in the world. We've got all these, our whole life. Our whole entertainment, our whole economy is built on image. We take selfies of ourselves just to see how many people like our image. He says that she focuses on fashion, but her soul is famished. And while she's parading her beauty, he says, the bellies of the poor grow hungry. Think how many millions of dollars we spend every year on beauty products in America. And again, I'm not saying don't wear makeup and do all these things. Please, some of us need to put on a new face when we get out the door. I understand that, right? We understand we don't all look the best when we get up in the morning. I'm not saying any of that. But is my identity in my image? Because beauty is fleeting. We're all going to get old unless the Lord comes. We all may grow weak. We might trust in our health and our strength, but it can be gone in a moment. What do you trust in? How muscle I am, how thin I am, what I look like, what my hairstyle is. Do I got the latest nails? You know how many people I saw? I won't even go into it all. (laughs) We were more upset about certain salons being shut down over Corona than we were God coming for revival. Just leave that right there. Now pick on some men, all right? He says, I look at this household... And their lives seem seemingly full, but they're empty of God. He says, so what I'm going to do? God says, I see that wealth. I'm going to cause a loss of luxury. He says, I promise you the rings that are now in your ears are going to be as worthless as the rings in pigs' noses. As you love God, his phraseology. He says, your jewelry will be as shackles and chains. He says, it'll come to a point that only the ugliness of your soul will remain. Isaiah sees a day where his whole elite society will be washed away and wiped away. Assyria will come and ravage the people, and they will take them all into exile. Naked, bruised, beaten, many of them will just be their hair plucked out, their eyes gouged out. He says, all the things you trusted in one day will be washed away, wiped away. He says, the first thing I'll do to a kingdom that's lift up itself against God is I'll crash their economy. Number two, he says, the second thing I'm going to do is because they've trusted in the second pillar, 
is they've trusted in their own government. They've trusted in their own self-leadership. You see, man builds his city upon his military power and all of his skilled laborers and leaders. And man in his uh, conquest for power and his own pride, he says, look at all the chariots I've amassed. Look at all the horses I've amassed. And we say today, look at all the armory that we have. Look at all of our military. We are the most powerful nation on the face of the earth. We are the greatest nation to ever live since the dawn of man. Don't you think that says something? about us versus God, that we trust in our own power, we trust in our own military, we say we've got the best bombs, the best fighter plants, all the things that we trust in is how big and how bad we are. Israel did the same thing. He says, oh yeah, and all of your quests for unity and peace, you've only found more division and war. Think about all the laws that man has enacted. I told uh, the last service, I said, Think about, there are, there are places, and I've lived there, where you have to get like 15 permits just to get a treehouse built in your front yard or in your backyard. You've got to go through all of this stuff, Loops. We create more laws, but yet we are more lawless than we've ever been. Because we can't change the heart of man by anything. You can enact all the laws and legalize everything and unlegalize everything you want. But we are at a loss because we are corrupt, we are immoral, we are rebellious by nature. So the second thing he says, so what? You've trusted in all your power. He says, I'll cause a loss of order. I'll cause a loss of order. He says, I will cause a vacuum of leadership. He says in, in Isaiah, he says, there will be as such that it will be as if children are leading you. He says, I will cause childish, immature people to lead you. He says there will be such a vacuum of leadership. You will wonder where all the great military leaders went. You'll wonder where all the great leaders of moral, high moral standard and caliber went. Where are the intellectual, the intelligent wise men who once led our nation before? He says, I will cause such a gap that your nation will crumble. You don't see that today? Where are all the great men of old who wrote the Declaration of Independence? Where are the great men who wrote our Constitution? Where are the great men of moral caliber who once led a nation. That's God's judgment, my friend. He says, your military will lose easy victories. He says in this, I love this part. He says, I will cause the young to go against the old. I will cause those who have no name and no reputation to cast down those who made a name and have a reputation. In a sense, I will cause anarchy in your streets. I will cause the new generation to hate the previous generation. I will cause them to want to destroy everything you've ever established. God's judgment on a nation. It says, another pillar I see that you've built your lives upon is self. The city of man is built on his own self-efforts. He worships what he does and he builds. He buys and boasts in his own effort and all of his achievements. He believes his own superstition and science rather than the word of God. He mingles things from all different religions and makes his own understanding of God in reality. He redefines truth and he piecemeals what he thinks is right. He picks apart. Didn't you see this in the world today? Well, I like a little bit of that religion. I like this part of that religion. I like this, I like this, I like this. This is what I'm going to say I believe in. What's truth for you? What's whatever you want to believe? It's relative. You make your own truth in this world today. It says man's built his own truth. He mingles pagan idolatry even in the house of God. He compromises the word to fit his own desires. He says, therefore, I'll make his home such an emptiness. 
There'll be such an emptiness between man and woman and child. There'll be an absence of God in the home. And he says, for this reason, I'll cause neighbor to rise up against neighbor. I'll cause uh, relationships to crumble. In Matthew 24, Jesus says, he says, there'll be in the last days such a love that will grow cold because of the lawlessness that has abounded in the last days. Because the wickedness and immorality that so many people see on the world and see on the news, they says that people will stop trusting one another. They'll stop opening their hearts to one another. How many people still, I mean, I remember when we used to leave our windows open, doors open, cars open. Can you just see? Just, that's just, I'm, I'm, not even that, I'm 35. And just my short life, what we have seen in just one country, it says, for the love of many will wane cold. So, Bring it all together. He says, I see this happening. One kingdom we have built our life upon and our understanding of how we live and breathe and think and build our relationships and our politics and our economy. It is crumbling and man does not know it, but it is like a seesaw, a teeter totter. As one is crumbling, God is causing the other, the church to rise up. But I love what one commentator says it this way best about our country. He says, think about it. We have built our own country on our healthy living our exercise, our diets, our medicine. We pride ourselves in our military spending, our wealth of possessions on our 401ks. We lift up our own entertainment. We indulge in all of our food, all of our eating out. We buy the latest clothing and we flaunt it around to our friends. We post our own images online for likes. We pride ourselves in our own opinions. We slander publicly, i.e. Facebook. We objectify. We care only for ourselves. And as a nation, we hate, we murder babies, we sell children into sex, and we exalt ourselves above God's order, and we redefine sin to suit all of our pleasures. It's all ruin. And we think we'll escape God's judgment because we've had church a few times. Because we show up in pretty clothes, sing some songs, say a couple little happy-go-lucky prayers. He says, I see a day of reckoning happening for the kingdom and the world of man. Look at Isaiah chapter 2, verse 11. So there's coming a day where these two kingdoms, like on that teeter-totter, will pass each other. He says, it's coming a day in a spiritual sense, but it's really, uh, there is coming a day, a physical day, when Jesus will come back. And he says, this is what's going to happen. Look at here. This is not one of those happy sermons just for right now, okay? It'll get better. Trust me. Follow with me. Isaiah 2, verse 11, he says, there's coming a day... When the proud look of man will be abased and the loftiness of man will be humbled and the Lord alone will be exalted in that day. For the Lord of hosts will have a day of reckoning against everyone who is proud and lofty, against everyone who is lifted up that he may be abased. Think about all the images. All right now, what's consuming the news feed in America is that people are toppling over man's images, statues. We're toppling over our own statues. Now, Isaiah sees today, he says, not, it won't be that, but God toppling over man's identity, man's self-image. He says, I see that day of reckoning when all the armies of heaven will unleash the stored wrath of God. He says, on that day, there's going to be no more four or 500 companies. There'll be no more presidents. There'll be no CEOs. There'll be no gold medal achievement winners. There'll be no more Oscar winners or Emmy winners. There'll be no national GDP, no badges, no diplomas, no titles no accomplishments of man whatsoever because everything of man's pride will be humbled. All of his self-worship will vanish. And he says, when that day comes and Jesus splits that sky, every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to confess, he is King of kings and Lord of lords. 
He says there'll be a day such like that when all of man will leave all of his jewelry behind. He'll run to the caves where the bats and the moles live and he will shake with terror because God's unshakable kingdom is shaking everything that can be shaken. And only the unshakable people who are in God will remain. You see, we are living in that day whether it be just this judgment that God, I believe, is bringing on our country today to wake us up, to bring a church to an awakening that we will rise up and be the people of God he's called us to be, or we will fall and crumble with all of man's stuff. Because it's all stuff. It's all junk. It's all like a sand. People have made me Jesus that we sing that song in kids' church. The wise man built his house upon the rock. We should learn that because that's what we are called to do. For Israel, that became a reality. God removed his hand of protection and an empire took her away to exile because she, even though she was the people of God, had exalted the city of man in her hearts. I worry about the American church. Sometimes I've wondered, how come, God, you didn't send me to Africa or to South America or wherever I could go? Because God is giving America, one last chance. We're in that crisis, pivotal moment. I don't know if you know this or not. If you see it or not, if you can look around and see what is happening, there is a teeter-totter moment. There is a seesaw moment where one kingdom is crumbling, but God wants to say, hey, what about my church? Are we streaming into him? Are our hearts so captivated by him? Or is there things in my life that have been built on my own wealth my own self-effort, my own image and self-identity? Have I trusted in the government to find solutions for me? Have I trusted in other people? Have I trusted in my identity and my money or what I think I can do with my life and my dreams? Think, like, listen to the gospel. Go look, watch some TV preachers for a while. It's all about your dreams, your ambitions, what you can do with your life, what God is going to do for you. That is not the gospel. The gospel is all about Him. We are nothing. It's all to Jesus we surrender. All to him I freely give. It's all about Jesus. I think about that moment with Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah. And I'll close with this. The angels come to Lot, who the Bible says was a righteous man living in a wicked two cities. Right? It had been prophesied they were going to be destroyed. God was gracious to pull out what righteous people were left. And here's what the angel said to him in Genesis 19, verse 17. He says, escape for your life. Do not look back and do not stop. And if you know the story, you know that his wife did look back and turned to a pillar of salt, right? But that has really been on my heart to say, God, I don't want to look back to how people in this world are building their life on crumbling, sinking sand. I want to be those people of the city of God who are so focused on Jesus that they are streaming uphill into it. They're so captivated by his glory. They don't care about the petty problems in man's kingdom. They say, you've got to come with me. You've got to come with me and worship this guy. Get a look at King Jesus because he is so infatuating. He's so beautiful. He's so glorious. He's so awesome. He's high and exalted. They are so enthroned with him. They say, you've got to know 
my Jesus. That's where my heart is. Is your life full but empty of God? I want to stream into God's city. What things in your life does God want to allow to crumble? And what things does new things does he want to build up? I'm going to ask Miss T to come back. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Can we take just a few moments and examine? Where are you at? Where's your citizenship at? Are there places of your heart? Maybe there's one, two, three foundations of your heart. You say, you know, I really have trusted a lot in wealth. I've really been, my identity has been in my image. My identity has been in what the stock market is. My, my faith has been in how this world can fix itself. Or maybe you've been hurt. Maybe God's wanted you to redefine some relationships. Or maybe he wanted you to just rethink according to his word. Things have been done to us, and we want to do back to them. There's all kinds of things. Man's kingdom is built on so many faulty things. Say, Lord Jesus, search my heart, O God. Know me, Lord Jesus. What is God saying to you today? Have you humbled yourself? So that only Christ is lifted up in your heart, not wealth or power or self. Are you streaming into God's city? Are you so captivated by Him that you want to bring others with you? Do you have that excitement for Him? And does His Word actually change your heart? Are you living with peace? Are you living in unity? Are you living in love? Dealing in compassion and mercy for those around you who are broken and hurting? Or do we see them through man's kingdom? Come on, church, let's just be serious today. Let's just get real with God. I want to be a part of a winning kingdom, a winning team. Say, God, we want to rise with you. We know you're shaking everything that can't be shaken. Holy Spirit, Where are we at? Tell us, Lord. Where's your trust? Israel thought they were the people of God. They thought all their religiousness, all their works, all their knowledge of the word, all their going to making sacrifices, all their giving, but yet their hearts were in a different city. I think the American church has got a lot of heart searching to do in this day. I think our hearts have been very much in the city of man. God's wanting to transfer us into the city of his son. Lord, help us to look different, to think different, to act different, to respond different to what we see around us, to exalt only you, exalt only you, exalt only you. Spirit, come. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Saturate us, O God.
Saturate us, O God.